Welcome to Episode 7 of PCS Reads, the summer reading podcast for Parkview Center School and any other summer readers who want to join us. I'm your host, Laura, Parkview School Librarian. New episodes of this podcast post each Friday, and we always start off with a new weekly reading challenge. This week's reading challenge comes from Dylan. His challenge is to read in the dark. You could meet this challenge by reading in the dark with a flashlight, or you could read an ebook on a device that has a built in light, or maybe you have a book that has glow in the dark printing. This challenge makes me think of the great glow in the dark page in the picture book, The Day the Crayons Came Home by Drew DeWalt and Oliver Jeffers. If you have an idea for a weekly reading challenge, visit the podcast website at pcsreads.podbean.com and click on the link that says Sign the Guest Book. From there, you can leave your name and let me know your challenge idea. There's even a place to share what you did to meet last week's challenge. Each week on this podcast, we hear the next installment of our special sneak peek at The Girl Who Drank the Moon by author Kelly Barnhill, a book that comes out on August 9th. A few weeks ago, I met with Kelly Barnhill at a local park to talk about The Girl Who Drank the Moon. Here is Kelly Barnhill talking about Glurk and Zan from the book. I thought about this book for a long time before I started writing it. A good two years, actually. And, um, and so I knew I had a really good sense of the shape of the story. I had a really good sense of the characters before, uh, before embarking. So I, I, knew, I knew Antane extremely well. I knew Luna extremely well. I knew Zan ex- extremely well. Uh, Glurk ended up surprising me. Um, over the course of the book, that was uh, there were things revealed to me about about Glurk that was so astonishing that I fell off my yoga ball, and I won't reveal it because it would be a spoiler. But for me, like it was uh, his his sort of um, emergence as a character that that happened for me in the same way that it was that it happens for the reader. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, so the reason why why Zan is named Zan is that she's named for for Socrates' wife, Xanthippe, who, you know, famously, so, I mean, who I feel like, I feel like she got a raw deal from uh, history, and she's really often portrayed as, you know, kind of a harridan and a shrew, um, uh, primarily because of the famous story where she dumped a, a chamber pot on the philosopher's head. And honestly, if you were married to Socrates, I think you'd do the same thing. I think I'd do the same thing, because I think he was probably very insufferable. I think it's probably not easy being married to, to a philosopher. And I say this 
with several philosophers in my family, um, and uh, and I love them all very much. But the uh, but anyway, so uh, so in a lot of ways, her relationship with Glurk for me was kind of rewriting that famous marriage. But I really like um, like Glurk and Furion. Um, you know, Glurk really uh, he doesn't really truck with deception. For him, his whole modus operandi is about, is the search for truth and and also the um the revelation of the world through poetry and song and also his um his connection to you know sort of the origins of the world. And now, here is our next installment of the Girl Who Drank the Moon. Chapter 5 In Which a Swamp Monster Accidentally Falls in Love Glurk did not approve and said so the first day the baby arrived, and he said so again on the next day, and the next, and the next. Zan refused to listen. Babies, 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 sang Firion. He was utterly delighted. The tiny dragon perched on the branch extending over the door of Zan's tree home, opening his multicolored wings as wide as he could and arching his long neck toward the sky. His voice was loud, warbled, and atrociously off-key. Glurk covered his ears. Babies, 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 Firion continued. Oh, how I love babies. He had never met a baby before, at least not that he could remember, but that did not stop the dragon from loving them all to bits. From morning till night, Firion sang and Zan fussed, and no one, Glurk felt, would listen to reason. By the end of the second week, their entire habitation had been transformed. Diapers and baby clothes and bonnets hung on newly strung clotheslines to dry. Freshly blown glass bottles dried on recently constructed racks next to a brand new washing station. A new goat had been procured. Glurk had no idea how. And Zan had separate milk jugs for drinking and cheese making and butter churning. And... Quite suddenly, the floor became thoroughly strewn with toys. More than once, Glurk's foot had come down hard on a cruel-cornered wooden rattle, sending him howling with pain. He found himself shushed and needled out of the room, lest he wake the baby or frighten the baby or bore the baby to death with poetry. By the end of the third week, he'd had quite enough. Zan, he said, I must insist that you do not fall in love with that baby. The old woman snorted, but she did not answer. Glurk scowled. Indeed, I forbid it. The witch laughed out loud. The baby laughed with her. They were a mutual admiration society of two, and Glurk could not bear it. Luna, Firion sang, flying through the open door. He flitted about the room like a tone-deaf songbird. Luna, 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 Luna! No more singing, Glurk snapped. You don't have to listen to him, Firion, dear, Zan said. Singing is good for babies. Everyone knows that. 
The baby kicked and cooed. Firion settled on Zan's shoulder and hummed tunelessly. An improvement, to be sure, but not much. Glurk grunted in frustration. Do you know what the poet says about witches raising children? he asked. I cannot think of what any poet might say about babies or witches, but I have no doubt that it is marvelously insightful. She looked around. Glurk, could you please hand me that bottle? Zan sat cross-legged on the rough plank floor, and the baby lay in the hollow of her skirts. Glurk moved closer, leaned his head near the baby, and gave her a skeptical expression. The baby had her fist in her mouth, leaking drool through her fingers. She waved her other hand at the monster. Her pink lips spread outward into a wide smile around her wet knuckles. She is doing that on purpose, he thought as he tried to force his own smile away from his wide, damp jaws. She is being adorable as some sort of hideous ruse to spite me. What a mean baby! Luna gave a giggly squeal and kicked her tiny feet. Her eyes caught the swamp monster's eyes, and they sparkled like stars. Do not fall in love with that baby, he ordered himself. He tried to be stern. Glurk cleared his throat. <clears throat> the poet, he said with emphasis, and narrowed his eyes on the baby, says nothing about witches and babies. Well then, Zan said, touching her nose to the baby's nose and making her laugh. She did it again and again. I suppose we don't have to worry then. Oh no, we don't, her voice went high in sing-song, and Glurk rolled his tremendous eyes. My dear Zan, you are missing the point. And you are missing this babyhood with all of your huffing and puffing. The child is here to stay, and that is that. Human babies are only tiny for an instant. Their growing up is as swift as the beat of a hummingbird's wing. Enjoy it, Glurk. Enjoy it, or get out. She didn't look at him when she said this, but Glurk could feel a cold prickliness emanating from the witch's shoulder, and it nearly broke his heart. Well, Firion said, he was perched on Zan's shoulder, watching the baby kick and coo with interest, I like her. He wasn't allowed to get too close. This, Zan explained, was for both of their safeties. The baby, full to bursting with magic, was a bit like a sleeping volcano. Internal energy and heat and power can build up over time and erupt without warning. Zan and Glurk were both mostly immune to the volatilities of magic. Zan because of her arts, and Glurk because he was older than magic and didn't truck with its foolishness, and had less to worry about. But Firion was delicate. Also, Firion was prone to the hiccups, and his hiccups were usually on fire. Don't get too close, Firion dear. Stay behind Auntie Zan. Firion hid behind the crinkly curtain of the old woman's hair, staring at the baby with a combination of fear and jealousy and longing. I want to play with her, he whined. You will, Zan said soothingly, as she positioned the baby to take her bottle. I just want to make sure that the two of you don't hurt one another. I never would, Firion gasped. Then he sniffed. I think I'm allergic to the baby, he said. You're not allergic to the baby, Glurk groaned, just as Firion sneezed a bright plume of fire onto the back of Zan's head. She didn't even flinch. 
With a wink of her eye, the fire transformed to steam, which lifted several spit-up stains that she had not bothered to clean yet from her shoulders. "'Bless you, dear,' Zan said. "'Glurk, why don't you take our Firion for a walk?' "'I dislike walks,' Glurk said, but took Firion anyway. Or Glurk walked, and Firion fluttered behind from side to side and forward to back, like a troublesome overlarge butterfly. Primarily, Firion decided to occupy himself in the collection of flowers for the baby, a process hindered by his occasional hiccups and sneezes, each with their requisite dollops of flame, and each reducing his flowers to ashes. But he hardly noticed. Instead, Firion was a fountain of questions. "'Will the baby grow up to be a giant like you and Zan?' he asked. "'There must be more giants, then. In the wider world, I mean. The world past here. How I long to see the world beyond here, Glurk. I want to see all the giants in all the world and all the creatures who are bigger than I.' Firion's delusions continued unabated. Firion's delusions continued unabated, despite Glurk's protestations. Though he was about the same size as a dove, Firion continued to believe he was larger than the typical human habitation, and that he needed to be kept away from humanity, lest he be accidentally seen and start a worldwide panic. "'When the time is right, my son,' his massive mother had told him in the moments before she plunged herself into the erupting volcano, leaving this world forever, "'you will know your purpose. You are, and will be, a giant upon this fair earth. Never forget it. Her meaning, Firion felt, was clear. He was simply enormous. There was no doubt about it. Firion reminded himself of it every single day. And for five hundred years, Glurk continued to fume. The child will grow as children do, I expect, Glurk said evasively. And when Firion persisted, Glurk pretended to take a nap in the calla lily bog and kept his eyes closed until he actually slept. Tune in next week when we will hear the end of Chapter 5 of The Girl Who Drank the Moon by Kelly Barnhill. A special thank you to Algonquin Young Readers, a division of Workman Publishing, for permission to share this sneak peek through our podcast. Each week on PCS Reads, we will end the show with a few book recommendations for summer reading. If you have been thinking about calling in with a book recommendation, today is the perfect day to do it. I need more recommendations for the episodes coming up, so call in and share about an old favorite you love or a new book that you recently enjoyed. All you need to do is decide on the book you would like to recommend and why you would recommend it. Then call the PCS Reads book recommendation hotline at 612-568-5355 and leave a message. The message you leave will be saved and sent into the podcast. Finally, listen for your book recommendation on a future episode. Here are this week's book recommendations. Hi, I'm Evelyn, and I want to recommend a series called The Winnie Years. It's by Lauren Miracle, 
The first book is called Ten. It's about the life of a girl. The series has five books, and each one represents a year. Bye. Hi, PCS readers. This is Victoria J. Coe, author of Fenway and Hattie and Fenway and Hattie and the Evil Bunny Gang, coming on January 24th. I'm a big fan of this podcast, and I'd like to recommend Ribsy by my favorite author, Beverly Cleary. You probably know some of Beverly Cleary's other books, like Ramona the Pest, The Mouse and the Motorcycle, and Dear Mr. Henshaw. But you might not know that Ribsy, the dog of Beezus and Ramona's neighbor, Henry Huggins, has his own book. Ribsy is a book that will turn your world around because it's told from Ribsy's point of view. So you get to experience the family, the neighborhood, everything from a dog's perspective. I won't give away any spoilers, but a very big problem happens early on in the story that makes you keep turning the pages through every fun and hilarious scene because you can hardly wait for the big resolution that you just know is coming. If you like dogs, and if you like books that are full of heart and laugh-out-loud funny, then go pick up a copy of Ribsy by Beverly Cleary. Happy reading! Hi, plus you readers. This is Laura Dodge. I just wanted to say I hope you're having a wonderful summer. I just read the BFG by Ronald Dahl to my four-year-old who loved it. I also read it to my fourth graders, and it's really fun to reread as an older reader, too. Um, and if you watch it, you might even be able to go see it as a movie. It's about a little children named Sophie who is snatched up and taken a giant country. Sophie and the big friendly giant make a plan to save the human beings from the lots of giants. So watch out for the child tour. Other books that you might want to read that have been made into movies that are really good include Because of Wind's Dixie, The Tale of Despero, The Witches, Mouse on a Motorcycle, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I hope you have a wonderful summer. Keep reading. That's all for this episode of PCS Reads. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will join us again next week. Until then, happy summer, happy reading.